0: So that is a helplessness that I have never experienced in my entire life.
1: It actually makes us realize that in life there are certain things that cannot be changed.
2: This is just a a very, very unusual thing to cope with.
3: Welcome to the Nature India podcast. I am Shubhra Priyadarshini. We are in July 2021, and in India, the brutal second wave of COVID-19 seems finally to be behind us. Infections have slowed and states are easing restrictions. So far, around 8% of the Indian population has been fully vaccinated with the mandatory two doses. The country is no longer the COVID-19 epicentre of the world, but Indian researchers do warn that a third wave is a very real possibility. For all of us, this has been a crazy pandemic time of unprecedented challenges and loss, both professional and personal. In this special two part episode, we asked scientists to give us a glimpse of the people behind the studies and research papers, of their daily lives, even if they were not involved in pandemic research. So we reached out to a biostatistician, a science communicator, a structural and computational biologist, an astrophysicist and a biochemist within the subcontinent and across the Indian diaspora. We asked them to share with us their difficulties to tell us how their lives, just like ours, changed overnight and how they adjusted to this strange new normal. Stay with me for these personal stories, some heartfelt anecdotes, and to get a peek of the humans behind these scientists.
1: This episode is produced with support from DBT Welcome Trust India Alliance.
0: In April, my father had COVID. In May, my sister and her family had COVID. And I have written a lot about this personal experience in my articles in the Hindu, in the Times of India that there is a personal side to it when those data points become the faces of loved ones. Then I cannot just talk about there are only 400,000 deaths and India is a big country, because I know that behind each of those numbers is a face and is an empty chair. I think about the millions of families that are left behind.
3: That's Brahmar Mukherjee, Professor and Chair of Biostatistics, at the University of Michigan School of Public Health. She solves big biomedical data problems using statistical modeling and has been forecasting the course of the pandemic since March 2020.
0: So this has uh, suddenly really made me aware that what a toll it takes on the family and um, And those were very, and for people with hyphenated identities, when our lives are, you know, spread across two continents with the time difference, every time a phone rings at an unusual time, you have this panic attack that something has happened. And this sense that everything is under lockdown. So even if something happens, you cannot go. So that is a helplessness that I have never experienced in my entire life because I knew that even if I have chosen to build a life in another country, and I am a US citizen, a part of my root identity lies in India. And if my parents need me, I could go back. For the first time that was in jeopardy and how helpless you are in spite of all of your intellectual accolades, your money and everything means nothing.
3: Shekhar Mande, Director General of the Council of Scientific and Industrial Research, CSIR, headquartered in New Delhi, spoke of such difficult realizations too. As a scientist, administrator and survivor of Covid himself, he says, the learning curve has been very, very steep during this period. Shekhar lost his father, well-known physicist Chintamani Mande, to Covid-related complications last April.
1: When we go through uh, personal losses of people who are so dear to us, you know, I mean, the the people who are so close to our hearts, that obviously affects every individual. Uh, I'm not unique in that. All of us are affected by loss of our very close uh, personal people. And that only actually makes one very humble. You know, I mean, that, I mean, uh, what we live in is a real life. It actually makes us realize that in life, there are certain things that cannot be changed and uh, certain changes which are there are irreversible. And once you realise that, it really actually makes you so humble that whatever amount of, uh, I would say, feeling that had come into our mind, of some sort of arrogance that uh, might have crept in because of our overconfidence in science and technology, it one makes uh, realise that indeed uh, there are certain things that cannot be changed, even by science and technology.
3: The pain of losing family members friends and colleagues over the last 19 months has sadly been a unifying experience. We hear next from Rai Raichodhuri, astrophysicist and director of the Inter-University Centre for Astronomy and Astrophysics Ayuka, based in Pune.
2: I think the most important thing that shook us, I, I, I can't point to specific incidents, but it just shook up the fact uh, uh, shook us up is the passing away of uh, of very young colleagues. Um, I mean the people who've been we've been working with on a, on a daily basis in collaborations um, uh, and and who are in their 30s and their 40s. so that 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 just changes the perspective of uh, a, you know a normal life as you you, you probably think that uh, that science is the is your um, you know, primary uh, objective. But when it comes to uh, when it comes to uh, actually losing people who you're working with suddenly due to this completely unforeseen pandemic, another thing I'd I'd like to point out is that it is not just losing somebody that is that 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 affects us. What has also affected us is the prolonged effect this has had on many families to which our collaborators and our students etc. belong. This uh, um, is. Just a, a very, very uh, unusual um, thing to cope with. And uh, I, it's almost becoming a normal situation now, which I think I, it is quite quite hard to, to cope with, I think.
3: Coping with the constant fear and uncertainty has also been a challenge, Shomuk says.
2: I think uh, we were very, very worried about you know living in a campus, living in a city that got quite a lot affected by the pandemic. How we would keep our um, you know colleagues, our campus, our relatives, older relatives safe, that took up a lot of our you know um, our attention. so the COVID itself, not the shutdown, but the COVID disease itself actually put us in a lot of you know mental anguish, mental stress uh, dealing with not just our own stress in our own systems but also the, the collective stress of people around us.
3: Professionally, scientists from various fields have faced severe hurdles, some more than others.
2: People who actually work with their hands in labs, in facilities, they are certainly extremely handicapped. Experimental work has been handicapped. Luckily, I am somebody who works uh, um, mostly theoretically with computers, taking data from telescopes and satellites. That have uh, you know been running all through the pandemic, uh, satellites that are in space have not been affected, and our telescopes are out there, and I could carry on most of my work without worrying about what's going out there. But then somebody who actually works in a lab, uh, many of my colleagues, they build instruments. They are totally stalled. Building of the biggest facilities that we are uh, in- involved in, like for example, the gravitational wave observatory that that's going to come up in Maharashtra. Um, LIGO, the, uh, the the big telescope that India is getting involved in, the 30 meter telescope in Hawaii, and and just not just the building of these things, but the development of the building of these things have all been stalled. So that's uh, I think I, I, in a nutshell, talking about professionally how how we've been we've been hampered by this.
3: Manupati Hemalata was one of the scientists whose lab work came to a standstill. She is a research scholar working in the Indian Institute of Chemical Technology in Hyderabad, and her lab specializes on wastewater treatment and environmental engineering.
0: So suddenly it was announced, and the, from the next day we could not able to go to lab, or we could not able to start. I mean, stop our experiments. So that was a major thing mentally. Uh, we were a little disturbed because we got habituated to the uh, following this. Things like morning, as soon as we get up, we'll think about the lab and our research work. And we'll be staying up till uh, night Night sometimes also. And few of our colleagues will stay a whole night also for some time. So these all things will be very, very I mean, we feel that we were missing them badly. Because when we, as a research student, when we are working in a lab and when we have our own experiments, we feel them as our family type. I mean, like, uh, uh, and it, that is very close to us.
3: So we were missing that. Well, apart from the work that suffered, the lack of in-person interaction also hit hard at a more personal level. Brahmar Mukherjee, who began modelling the pandemic in India shortly after it was declared a pandemic, spoke to us about this. So did rai Choudhury. The impact of isolation was felt from Michigan to Pune.
0: When we started this work in March of 2020, all of us were quarantined as data scientists, and it was the first few days of the stay-at-home orders in Michigan, and the whole world uh, felt like so disaggregated. And um, there are many people from the Indian diaspora who are in Michigan and who are in US academia, and I could see the lost eyes As a department chair, I really struggled with keeping people together in the department as a community, right? So all our students were very scattered, faculty, Zoom instruction. So, you know, we always think of the department as a home, as a place of belonging. And it was very hard after the first few months, we were also Zoom fatigued to keep it together. It it, it was very hard to keep our mission together.
2: I think online interactions is only a very poor substitute. And for certainly for the younger population, people who are starting up into uh, a subject, uh, young PhD students, young undergraduates, the human interaction, peer interaction is very, very important. They need to talk to each other. They need to talk to people in person. And that the warmth is important. I mean, there's a whole generation of, um, of students now in the last year who have come into the university system in our system who haven't even met us we don't know what they look like they haven't seen um, the academic environment they're sitting at home etc so and for research students it's it's very important too because uh, this this a lot of the things they learn are from each other
3: shomak described the lack of in person engagement as one of the biggest casualties of the pandemic shut out from the labs universities and institutions Scientists spent so much time inside homes like the rest of us and had to learn how to work from home if they could. Karishma Kaushik, an assistant professor and Ramalingaswami fellow at the Institute of Bioinformatics and Biotechnology in Savitribai Phule Pune University, shared what that transition was like for her as a scientist and as a mother.
4: So in the professional sense, I think the major challenges were that I have never worked from home. So my my immediate surroundings were not geared up in that way. So it ranged from simple challenges like just having a desk and a space for myself where when I was there, I was working. And I was not worrying about did I soak the rice for the next day or um, is the laundry in the washing machine? Because when we get out of the house and work, you forget about these things for those eight or 10 hours of the day. But when you're at home, you tend to get pulled in different directions. So one was just creating that space, that time where I knew I would be focusing on work. So that was a little bit of a challenge initially, which I subsequently grew into. But uh, regarding the challenge of being a mother and working from home, and my son was schooling from home, we kind of built it in uh, over time. There were some initial challenges, but I tried to keep him a part of my um, work life as far as possible. Like he would sit next to me while I was attending a webinar or giving a lecture or during a meeting.
3: All very human challenges that affected researchers just as much as the rest of us. These challenges well beyond the realm of science have actually been one of the main reasons why we have struggled to contain the spread of the pandemic Shekhar Mandi explains.
1: Essentially, the challenge was how do we convince everyone that they have to maintain COVID-appropriate behaviour because even when uh, the first wave was down, sometimes in January or early February, we had been warning people that there is an imminent danger of the second wave and we must continue COVID-appropriate behaviour. And uh, those kind of convincing people, uh, very emphatically, is what actually we as scientists Uh, we must take a blame on ourselves that we did not uh, deliver to the expectation of the society. Another challenge, of course, that we faced was we as science and technology, when we were deeply immersed in uh, deriving solutions for diagnostics, uh, vaccines, drugs, or medical devices, and so on and so forth, essentially dealing with all aspects of the pandemic, little we realized that there would be also societal challenges, that uh, people would be affected, their jobs, because of the lockdowns, uh, there will be other kinds of effect that will have on humanity. And once again, they fall in the realm of uh, the social sciences. But over the years, social sciences, uh, humanities and all have diverged from uh, core science and technology more and more. And that actually has led to the uh, these kind of situations in which we understand very little of each other.
3: That's true, isn't it? We can say in hindsight that the spread of the pandemic in India may well have been contained better if we could find better ways of communicating core science in a way that impacts human behavior. One of the things that uh, we science journalists have been sulking about throughout the pandemic is that we've written and produced tons of stories, but much of that has not triggered real change either in human behavior or in national policies. But again one of the many lessons that the pandemic has taught us is to still go on doing what seems just and right. We hope you enjoyed the insights shared on this episode of the Nature India podcast. This certainly struck a chord with me. And here's a shout out to my terrific colleagues Jinoy Jose and Amrita Gupta Nambiar who work behind the scenes to turn each of these episodes into something magical. Stay tuned for part two of this episode, where these very scientists delve deeper into what this year has meant for them, what gave them hope, what drives them on. We'll find out. If you like this podcast, please check out our previous episodes in Hindi and English on the Nature India website or your favorite podcasting platform. And while you're there, share it with others in your network. I'm Shubhra Darshini and this is the Nature India Podcast.
1: Thanks to the DBT Welcome Trust India Alliance for their support in producing this episode.